What is with all these denominations among the so-called universal church? Are they helpful or hindrance? Let's crack this nut on an all-new episode of C28. We've got a huge, huge conversation for today. Okay. <laughs> so I... Um, we are rolling. CJ. Okay, I'm sorry. I, w- I wasn't prepared. We just ended a conversation with someone that was very good. And yeah. Now my mind's not focused. Um, yeah, big conversation. I think mostly because there's so much history behind it. Yeah, um, sure. I think that's what makes it so big is there's um, literally a couple thousand years of history that you could go through right? To have this conversation. Yeah. Right before I hit record, CJ and I started talking and then I just abruptly ended it. And and because I just wanted to have the conversation here. Yeah. Because the reality is we're going to talk about denominations and, uh, there, there are, there are libraries like dedicated to the subject. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's not our responsibility (laughs) of us of, and that I had to remind myself of, this is like, tell it to me like I'm a fifth grader, right? like bare bones, like, like what are these things? Just let's just begin to wrap our minds around them. And we can do another episode later where we really dive into the different denominations, but let's like get that's what I'd like people to know when this is all over is is what are denominations. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, my hope is that we'd be able then to uh, make a determination of, are they helpful or a hindrance? Yeah. And I think that's kind of that's kind of the idea of this podcast. Like, what are these denominations, and are they helpful or not? Are they a result of major conflict, or are they a result of of, of differences and separations based upon those? And are they helpful or a hindrance? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and now figuring out exactly how to define a denomination wasn't quite as easy um, mm-hmm. as I thought it was. We use the word commonly, but it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But one thing I was going to ask is oh, i'm sorry i have to do it oh, i switch i switch i switch my allergy medicine bro <laughs> i am dying with allergies yeah. right now and i'm trying to keep continue talking without constantly <laughs> clearing my throat your face looks how you feel <laughs> i'm almost have tears in my eyes because i need to cough so bad okay you just do it I'll no, mute no, you. no 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 okay. no i don't know if that was better but i'm good now okay um one thing i was gonna ask or, or, or suggest is maybe we talk about like, what are our own experiences with different denominations? Like what does our background look like a little bit? Cause that might help frame the conversation uh, for people listening. Sure. So schools you've attended churches, you've worked at projects you've done with other churches, mm-hmm. you know, what, like what denominations have you dabbled in? Well, sure. Um, I went to Multnomah university or it was Multnomah college and then switched to Multnomah university while I was there. And so uh, I have, uh, two, um, diploma. No, what, what is it called when you graduate college and they give you the slip of paper? What are those slips of paper? I don't know. I don't have one. I think they're called diplomas. So okay. I have two diplomas with the same degrees on them. Uh, but they have different school names. One says Multnomah university. One says Multnomah Bible college. Part of the reason they did it is they're sending these missionaries overseas and they wanted more of a secular sounding school. Um, and there, there are many other reasons, but I know some of my missionary friends preferred the Multnomah university over the Bible college. Um, so anyways, uh, I went to that school and I went and now worked, uh, well, I, I went, then I went to, uh, I went to Boise Bible college as well. And part of that school, I got a scholarship to play, uh, music, I played the drums for this like school band and we'd travel around and just kind of think about it yourself the western half of the united states and play at different churches and stuff like that and talk about our school and uh so that put us in various churches and different denominations like um you know i like one so i like a it would have been a saturday afternoon i was at um, a four square church um, having people have words for me and then nice. uh, Sunday morning, I was at like a very conservative Baptist church, you know, and uh, so keeping was, your hands down, yeah, <laughs> yeah, doing a little sway back and like tapping the pew in front of me as a sign of exuberant worship. <laughs> so charismatic of you. Yeah. Uh, and then I uh, went to a, um, I won't say the denomination necessarily, but um, it would have been it would have been just considered probably a community church that was very. 
uh, surface level and kind of, uh, you know, not very deep, but they believe the right things. They just never really dug into the word and it kind of leaned into self-help. Um, so then uh, I ended up going to a different church, obviously, for a while. And then I got hired back at Brush Prairie Baptist Church, which is the church I grew up in. And started working there. Uh, really good, solid, the, theolo- theologically solid church. Um, enjoyed working there. And it's a Baptist church. And then um, I came down here to Cornerstone, which... Um, is still um, affiliated to varying degrees as time goes on with uh, <laughs> the uh, Baptist Association. And so um, I've kind of always worked in Baptist churches um, and then uh, pretty conservative schools. Um, I, we were just talking uh, a moment ago uh, with somebody who came in right before we started recording. And uh, um, I was talking about one of my professors uh, leaning Arminian or uh you know, having some Wesleyan theology and teaching it very well. And for me, it just caused me to, I think, think and dig more into and be more careful and nuanced with my beliefs um, as, as far as like salvation and things like that. And um, so I think that that's kind of, um, that's, that's kind of the slight variation I had. <laughs> Um, probably the most of it in that band traveling around to these different churches and hearing sermons preached and meeting with elders. And there was this one uh, church we went to uh, as a church of Christ church. And uh, are they the no instruments church? Yeah, they allow a piano though. This one did a liberal church of Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, they wanted us to play some offertory music. And so our director uh, last minute had one of our band members, her name was Christy actually, uh, go play piano for the offertory. And um, and she played through the song and she realized she didn't know what to do after she got done with the song because the offering was still going. And so instead of just repeating the same song, she realized she stopped and then she kind of panicked and she kind of laughed and there's some chuckles and then she played hot cross buns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just one of those things, uh, you know, where I'm sure... That was, you know, maybe considered irreverent or something. That is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What about about you? So uh, growing up, we bounced around between a bunch of different community churches, Baptist churches. Um, I think that I'd probably describe my family as like generally evangelical, uh, not really committed to a denomination so much. My, My grandparents, as far as I can tell, were pretty Baptist, pretty Calvinistic Baptists. Um, and, uh, I also ended up spending, uh, a couple of years as a member and serving in an assembly of God church, um, Mm -hmm. which was good for me, I think in a lot of ways to kind of get out of like what I knew and what was comfortable. Um, but it also, um, revealed to me, like I wasn't just (laughs) Baptist because I grew up Baptist. I was Baptist because of conviction. And so I think that was really helpful for me. Um, now I'm going to a very Presbyterian school. Um, and very reformed Presbyterian, like orthodox, um, conservative, theologically Presbyterian school, uh, which well, is- Well, we're all orthodox, is, aren't we? <laughs> I don't even know. What do you want me to do with that statement right now? Just, I don't have time just, for that. Just ignore it and move on. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, like, just to keep it short, like, I've, uh, I've had a good, well-rounded- um, experience so far, uh, growing up very evangelical, uh, spending some time at a Pentecostal church, a couple of years and long enough to really get the, the feel of things right in a different setting and kind of back at cornerstone. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's where I'm at so far. Mm-hmm. Even my uh, childhood church was Tri-City Baptist Church in Oregon City, maybe, or Portland area. So, okay. Anyways, I was just, I just remember that even like the very first church I remember was, was Baptist. So yeah. my only real exposure to other denominations would be through school and, and that's it through, through school that kind of forced me into those other ones. Yeah. So where do we go from here? I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I kind of thought as we go f- from denominations, right. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I kind of thought like starting with the Roman Catholic church. Yeah. Is that where you started to? So I tried to sketch out a little timeline. Do it. Right? Yeah. And and I actually started... Let me guess. 
What? What? I was gonna say fifteen seventeen. Is that no, when you started? No, it's like halfway. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually, started at three thirteen. Okay, so I started with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Okay, just because I wanted to give an example of something in Scripture, um, and I don't know if they fit how we commonly use denomination perfectly, but the idea is like there were these different religious groups kind of under one umbrella, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the the Pharisees were more theologically conservative and the Sadducees were more theologically liberal. Like they denied certain things like mm-hmm. the resurrection mm-hmm. and the Essenes were more mystical, right? So I'll let you draw your parallels to today with those three. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think there's some parallels there, Yeah. right? And even like Gnostic Christians, right? There's kind of like, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's kind of another would be considered maybe a denomination. I think yeah. that the Sadducees in that example, um, because of the resurrection issue. I mean, and this kind of gets into what denominations are, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so I, di- I didn't want to say like I didn't want to necessarily give them the title of denominations because I don't think it fits perfectly. But the idea is that there has been subgroups within larger groups. I think as far back as we can really find um, mm-hmm. in religion right and especially christianity um and then from there i talked about like the ether the ether oh my gosh i really wish i hadn't done that (laughs) we're not gonna edit it keep going the ether orthodox (laughs) church jeez kentucky let's go (laughs) the eastern orthodox church um splits from the roman church around 1000 ad um then you have the protestant reformation 1054 to be exact (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) Uh, The Protestant Reformation, 1517, Martin Luther. And then from there... It's interesting. You can get the exact date for the the Reformation. (laughs) The Eastern Orthodox... Ah, whatever. That's because I celebrated the 500-year anniversary like it was my birthday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then from there, you have, like, the Reform splitting off from Luther. Um, So you have, like, the Calvinistic traditions, right? And then into the Puritans. And then the Puritans split between... Presbyterians and Congregationalists. And then we start getting like what we would call now Reformed Baptists, you know, and it just like, um, uh, not umbrellas, but uh, branches from mm-hmm. there, right? And splinters from there. Yeah. And, so, and one of the things that I think you could pick up on, even what you just said, a lot of denominations happen because of authority mm-hmm. and theology. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the authority, I mean, the, the uh, Presbyterians and the Puritans, uh, there's an authority issue um, as well as, the split from Roman Catholic Church to Eastern in the Eastern Orthodox right. was an authority issue. They're right? like the Pope's not Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they're like they made little bishops though. I'm like we yeah. all share the power of Christ. Right. Yeah, we can become Christ. We're like, oh, so close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so and, and and what we're pointing out is that's how the, like it's it get, it's getting better and better and better. And these denominations are being more specific, um, where some uh, we would say are it's very important that the splits happened uh, because some uh, would determine if you have salvation, right? Right. And then others, um, you know, like uh, Presbyterians and Baptists, one of the main things we always joke around about, you know, uh, we believe that they're brothers and they're going to heaven, but we, it's a joke now They used to drown us for it, but (laughs) now we all chuckle like everything's fine. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh! No, that, what you said, what CJ said, is actually true. Um, so, but n- now I you want to be submerged? Not submerged yet. <laughs> See you in heaven, sucker! Oh my gosh! No, seriously, it was pretty intense. But it, yeah. I think now there's like this common understanding that, like, okay, uh, we got there's these essentials that are right. There's these other things that we have uh, divided over. Um, not in the sense of that, that we're not brothers and sisters, but there's, it's just, it's such a, uh, it is so close to the core that we are going to divide over it because, and, and just take the one example of baptism. So, you know, if, if you're baptizing babies and, uh, and another group isn't, and that's all in one church, um, you know, then somebody has, has a child and then they're like, Oh, I want to baptize them. And then somebody's like, well, you know, what we see in scripture is a baptism among faith and immersion. And so, you know, baptizing your baby would have no effect. And like, well, it's not salvational anyways. And mm-hmm. well, it's true. Yeah. And then all these conversations and the church grows. And then you're like, how do we split the church? Well, let's just take uh, th- this this group who believes this and, and this group who believes that and separate them that way. And then there's not that uncomfortableness. 
And, yeah. and I think right in there, right in the shadows of those two uh, decisions lies that question of, is it helpful or a hindrance? Mm-hmm. And I think to uh, believers, I think it has far more potential to be helpful. Yeah. Where you can say, no, like we're totally on the same page. <clears throat> like we'll see you in heaven, brothers and sisters. Uh, but it, it, um, it, it avoids um, some arguments and uh, in, you know, all 13,000 of us can't fit in this one building anyways. And, you know, I think it can be helpful. I think that some of the, some of the hindrance I see is uh, more like secular culture uh, being able to understand the divisions because it's like, oh, you guys all can't agree. It's like, well, we all, nearly all of us agree on this core bit. Right. It's these little other areas where we have, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I also wanted to point out that I don't think, so while we see things like we've already talked about with those three separate groups in scripture, I'm not sure that that is something that is prescribed in scripture. I think it's more something that's described. What um, uh, of the divisions, yeah. right? Um, I think that if it weren't for the fall, we would all have perfect theology and perfect unity of mind, right? Yeah. And that's something that we're striving for right. as we're each individually being sanctified by the spirit as Christians, working towards unity and unity of mind and spirit. Um, but unfortunately, until um, there's a new heaven and a new earth, right? And this whole thing is over in that sense. I don't think we'll get there perfectly. So I think okay. we agree on this. So let me clarify. Okay. You're saying that um, ideally all of us who are redeemed, regenerated followers of Jesus should just worship together mm-hmm. and be together. Mm-hmm. As a result of the fall, there's these discrepancies that we're unsure of. And because of our uh, nature of fighting and uh, being distracted by those things, we have divided um, with with good m- motives of trying to not be distracted in our worship and pursuit of Christ, but that it still falls short of what would be perfect under Christ. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I think the New Testament obviously makes room for... Um, the personal conscience, right? And so if I'm convinced by scripture to the point where my conscience is bound of something, mm-hmm. right? Like like baptism yep. um, is not for infants or um, that drinking is a sin or whatever you want to do, right? Um, I think that there's there's room there to say like, I need to, I need to be worshiping in a congregation or with a group of other Christians that also hold this conviction, yeah, right? And I think that's unfortunate and an effect of, sin that we can't all be unified i don't think that makes you sinful Mm -hmm. does that make sense like i don't think you're sinning by having your conscience bound by scripture yeah i (laughs) so yeah sorry my mind was going. okay i was like i might be wrong but (laughs) no no you're saying that like if you and i um disagree say we disagreed on baptism just for the sake of the conversation by the way one of the um uh, identifying uh, factors of being a Baptist is that you believe in baptism upon faith and immersion. Those are yeah. kind of like, that's one of the big things. So that's why it's a good conversation to talk about, I guess. So if you and I disagreed on that um, and our consciences are bound by it, so then it's not it, because we believe that the Bible's clear about it and both of us do, right? So you sit down with a Presbyterian and, mm-hmm. and a, a Baptist, they're both going to be able to support their place fairly well. Yeah. Now, <laughs> That's <should've>, gracious. I, <laughs> I <know. laughs> so yeah, just for the sake of the conversation, I can do I it. Be, I can do it from the Bible fairly yeah. <laughs> well. I'll say that. <laughs> so say, say say we find the Presbyterian that can actually defend their position well <laughs> uh, from the Bible. Fr- fr- from the Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, we can uh, we can then have a conversation. But when if you are convicted that the Bible is clear about something, um, then it is a distraction in worshiping because it's not just like, you know, I have a different weight loss plan. Right. I think you have to have a, a chlorial deficit and somebody's like, and, and, and not eat sugars and drink a lot of water. And somebody's like, sugars don't cause fat. You know, like it's, it doesn't really matter. You can still work out together and do the same things. But when it's, uh, when it's talking about the creator of the, of the universe and things that like baptism is closely attached to salvation, although we don't believe that it saves you in any way. Right. It's a demonstration of something that has already happened. Right. But it is linked to um, how you articulate salvation. So then mm-hmm. it matters. And so then there's a denomination difference. Right. There. And so the Baptist pastor finds himself in a hard place because he can't have 
Um, well, it would be very difficult for him to have a Presbyterian family in his congregation that has a newborn, right? Because they're going to want that baby baptized mm-hmm. and they're going to want it anointed with, with oil, I believe, um, at, at a very young age. And his conscience is not going to let him do that, right? And so now their conscience is that that baby needs to be baptized. Yeah. So that puts them in a really difficult situation. Yeah. But the Presbyterian pastor, and I actually had this conversation with a couple of Presbyterian friends at school. Um, they're in an easier situation. It's easier for a Baptist to attend um, a Presbyterian church because they can actually say like, that's fine if you want to wait to baptize your kid. It's not a mandated thing that you have to baptize an infant, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Baptist has an easier time kind of working through that. But the the Baptist pastor is in a lot harder spot. Right. Because he's going to be asked to do something that would that would violate what he believes scripture says. Yeah. Yeah. And so then there's a division. Right. And, right. So, and yeah. it's and it's not like a division of like we don't like you um, or you're not going to be in heaven. It's just a theological difference. And so then people who share that same conviction go to this church and people who don't share that conviction go to this other church. Right. And we'll see you in heaven. Yeah. And so um so here we go. Uh, let me try to summarize where we're at. Um we have the church start kind of in the Middle East and it and obviously Rome is very much in the hub of everything that's happening. Uh in let's see 13 13 Christianity is made legal in Rome. Like fine, we won't kill you or imprison you. Yeah. For being a Christian. It's because we converted the government. Yeah, we did. Tell, <laughs> tell the story. <laughs> I don't I don't know the story by heart, like detail. Um, but I know that, w- I think, it, I, I won't say I know, I believe it's within a hundred years of Jesus' um, crucifixion and resurrection that the governing officials of Rome are converting to Christianity, mm-hmm. right? So they go from hor- horrific, horrific, persecution of Christians um, to actually becoming Christians. I believe it's less than a century. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's literally incredible. Yeah. And then, uh, and so finally 1313, 13, like, okay, it's legal. And 1380, they make the state religion where this is what we are. Right. And to, to there's I mean, some history books that are like, then that's where things fell apart. Oh, I, well, Hey, state run religion. Right. I think will always well, fall apart. Actually, um, oh gosh, is it FF Bruce? Anyways, it's called the spreading flame. That's the name of the book. Um, and he takes a bunch of ancient historians works and puts them together and harmonizes them. So we get a better picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And one of his comments is that, that the moment, um, Christianity wasn't facing that persecution when it was accepted by the whole, yeah. that was the decline of Christianity. Yeah. It's very interesting how it parallels to today. Yeah. The, all the refining fire type teachings in scripture have some meat to them. Yeah. So then uh, in 590, the Roman Catholic Church begins. Obviously, the Roman Catholic Church will say, no, it started with Peter, right? In yeah. Matthew 16, 18. Well, that's not a date. Matthew chapter 16, <laughs> verse yeah. 18. They would yeah. say that's when the Roman... The year Catholic. of our Lord, Matthew 16, 18. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's when the Roman Catholic Church, they would say, we. Uh, there's, a, there's a level, an official start in 590, and then um, in, oh, there was another, oh yeah. And then in 1054, there is a split between the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox over primarily government and authority uh, where they recognize, the Eastern, Eastern Orthodox uh, branch essentially recognize that, wait a second, the Pope is infallible and Eastern Orthodox group is like, no, like we believe even leaders can be fallible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not Jesus. And, uh, and, and the Pope was claiming higher authority than they thought they should. Right. And that so a, that was a loud truck. That was a loud truck. Yeah. That just went by. That wasn't CJ breathing. That was oh, a okay. truck. <laughs> <laughs> so then in, uh, um, 1054, there was this split. And so that's when you have, the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox. And then in 1517, CJ's favorite moment in human history, <laughs> second only to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, <laughs> is the uh, is the Reformation, mm-hmm. um, where basically Martin Luther took several issues with the Roman Catholic Church. Um, there's 95 issues that he took. One of the ones that, 
uh, you'll see him write a lot about uh, Martin Luther write a lot about and just couldn't get over. Um, one of the many was the selling of indulgences, mm-hmm. where essentially the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church was essentially for a price willing to mediate for you the forgiveness of your sins. And and Martin Luther, among others, to be honest, many tried, yeah. but Martin Luther is the one that kind of you know had traction, and uh, he said no 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 like. The, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church can't sell that. They can't. They don't mediate for us, and that that's wrong. And then, uh, and so among other things, and so that was a big reformation, reforming, going back to, um, kind of what what Jesus taught, what Christianity really is, how redemption actually works, what forgiveness uh, looks like, and and in the process of redemption and the order of salvation and all of those things. Um, and then from there, um, what we see is we do see, um, then denominations and the difference is there's different religions and there's different denominations and there's cults and there's cults. Um, I, and, and so I would say that denominations for us, and and you can tell me what you think about this would be, um, those, those who are evangelical, Mm -hmm. um, there's a big umbrella called an evangelical and under that umbrella, there's many denominations where we all agree. We're all on the same page, but we differ on whether you can lose your salvation or not, or we differ on the how, gifts of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, or we differ on how you baptize. Right. Uh, but we're all evangelical in nature. And so therefore we're all on the same team. We're just different denominations, just like in currency, there's different denominations. It's all still money, but uh, just different denominations of it, just varying degrees. And so, yeah, that's kind of how, that's an easy way to look at denominations. We're not talking about Mormonism. We don't believe that's a denomination no, of Christianity. That's they're a not, cult. These are not evangelical in nature. We're not talking about Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we're not talking about Catholics either. No, and no. I don't believe Roman Catholics are a denomination. Correct. I, yeah. Um, However, I will say this. I do believe that there are some Catholic people who will go to heaven. Yeah. And it's, not ba- and, and it's basically based upon them not really understanding... What was that? A reminder to take the trash out. <laughs> Can we not do that right now? I'm sorry. <laughs> My boss is a stickler. I got to take that trash out. <laughs> it's part of your job description. <laughs> I don't so, remember what I was saying. So now. I was going to say, when it comes to the Roman Catholic Church as an institution, um, I believe the institution is an apostate church. I believe it has denied core tenets of what it means to be a Christian. Um, within that, what I believe is an apostate church um, are people who don't realize that they're accidentally evangelicals going to exactly. a Catholic church. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I've met them yeah. on multiple times yeah. and, and in multiple occasions, they've come out of the Catholic church and started attending an actual church. Yeah. Right. Um, so when I'm talking about, uh, when I'm speaking harshly about the Roman Catholic church in general, I'm talking about the institution, not each individual person who goes there. Although it does take individuals to make an institution, yeah, right? Certainly a good distinction you made. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as far as like, uh, what does it mean to, to be a Christian, a truly Christian denomination? Uh, I usually go back to like the Apostles' Creed. I sure. think you have to start somewhere, right? I think that's a good place to start. Um, and the problem is that's a good place to start, but then you have to just start defining terms, right? So I think a lot of Mormons would probably affirm the Apostles' Creed. But then you start asking like, well, who is God the Father? What is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Who is the Holy Spirit, right? What do you mean Jesus is the Son of God? Right. And so yeah. just because someone claims that they're a denomination of Christianity, just because um, they say, yes, I believe in that statement of faith or that creed, doesn't mean your homework is done, right? Your work is not done figuring out where someone actually stands. Um, you have to define terms. Super important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that the way that like, for example, I'm just using Mormons as an example, the way that they would... Um, eventually define some of those things would exclude them from Orthodox Christianity. Same with Jehovah's Witnesses. It would exclude them from Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's like, there's uh, denominations, cults. I think there's churches that at one time were a true church and then fell away because of bad doctrine. And honestly, a lot of it goes back to like the name of our podcast, right? Colossians 2.8, yep. yep. like not being deceived uh, by things of the world, yeah. uh, by, by false doctrines. And I think a lot of times that's what has happened. And maybe with the Eastern Orthodox too, because there's some pretty weird stuff that gets taught in that group. But yeah. 
anyways, that's not really the point. We're not critiquing a specific group right now. Not in this podcast, but we will. <laughs> not in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> because I think a good podcast would be um, in, in general, are there lines that we could draw where we can say these are inside yeah. um, Orthodox and these are outside or mm-hmm. these are these are evangelical churches and these are not so that people don't, you know, uh, what is the stat? It is it is staggering how many people join the uh, it, well Jehovah's Witness and Mormon Church, um, more so the Mormon Church. And uh, and I've talked to people where they join the Mormon Church. I'm like, how did that happen? They literally walked up to my door and they invited me. So I went. Yeah. You know, and so if somebody had listened to the podcast and been like, hey, when they come and knock on your door and you feel that tugging of like, man, I know that I need to try to discover who this Jesus is um, to let that be a reminder, send them on their way and then come and go to a church that teaches the Bible and the Bible alone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a good question then could be what is um, what would be considered um, orthodox or evangelical? Uh, So I would go back to the Apostles Creed. Gotcha. Right, so I go I, to the National Association of Evangelicals. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, the Apostles' Creed is far better. This is uh, the National Association of Evangelicals put together these four bodies that you must believe, or they call it strongly believe. And if you strongly believe these four things, you're considered evangelical. And they do, uh, they do comprise, they are comprised much of the Apostles' Creed. Um, there are some details left out, but just let me know what you think about this. Number one is the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Second, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Three. Yes. Oh, I thought I was supposed to be. Never mind. Go ahead. CJ, you are you are evangelical. I'm we like, know it. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm under the umbrella. I'm, I'm checking the boxes here. <laughs> There's only four. Okay. So the third one is Jesus's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty for my sin. <laughs> CJ says yes. Number four, <laughs> only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Those are four bodies that you must believe strongly. And if you do, you would be considered evangelical. You know what's better than those four statements? <laughs> the Apostles' Creed. Oh, for the five petals of a tulip. (laughs) No, I'm just, well, (laughs) go ahead. Yeah. I mean, so an example would be uh, the reason why uh, we believe that the Catholic church falls out of this, just as an example, not the, I'm not trying to uh, um, attack any people, but uh, the teachings of the Catholic church, the reason why this, these four things are helpful is because it reveals that the Catholic church is outside of that. Just as one example, we use the Catholic church. And that's because um, you, in order to be saved through the Catholic church, uh, Jesus's work on the cross does pay for the penalty more of the spiritual sins, but there's these uh, more like physical, uh, practical sins that must be atoned for some other way. Mm -hmm. And so then you have to sacrifice then for your sins. Mm-hmm. And that includes Hail Marys. That includes going to a, a priest who somehow mediates for you or praying right. to Mary who mediates for you, where we know Jesus is our mediator. Uh, it, the whole idea of purgatory is that you now have to sacrifice more for to have your sins forgiven because you have not sacrificed enough for them. And so right. you got to go suffer because Jesus' suffering on the cross wasn't enough for all your sins, just some of them. So now you have to suffer for them. And so that's what purgatory is. It's this purging moment for the rest of, you know, whether that's a hundred years or a thousand years that you have to be purged of those sins and sacrifice more. And, uh, and we, we don't believe that any of that is necessary. We believe that in Christ alone, the redeemed sinners are completely satisfied and paid for in Christ alone. And so because the Roman Catholic church doesn't teach that they have a partial works salvation that they fall outside of evangelical Christianity. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to um, what you believe about the atonement, I think. So we would say that we believe that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, right? Given to us. And they would say um, that we are infused somehow with Christ's righteousness. And then from there, we're supposed to use that righteousness to kind of get the rest of the way up the ladder to God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even, yeah. Even to you laying on your deathbed, like last rites from the right. priest, yeah. you know, it's like, um, you know, like Christ's work wasn't sufficient enough. 
Um, he is not your mediator. It's not Christ alone. Right. And so for, for those reasons among others, but just that's an example of how they fall outside of these four and they fall outside of the apostles creed as well. Yeah, no, that's good. So, um, that's, I think that's a good background on denominations and kind of laying the framework. Um, what are some of the main denominations? Oh gosh. I couldn't even figure out how many there actually are. So there's like 24,000 supposed denominations put together by secular, uh, research, but they're probably including Mormons and Catholics and they are. So I don't trust, I couldn't find a number where I was like, that seems like a trustworthy number. I ran into the Um, same thing. I, I actually suspect it's far less than that. Um, because because just because someone splits off and makes a weird little group of churches right. with well, weird theology doesn't make them a denomination. Like, so. uh, like if there was a church called Ion Community Church, what denomination is that? Like, and, yeah. th- and they may seriously, they may not even claim any sort of denomination. Right. And so that is kind of a denomination in itself, I guess. But um, I would look at Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, and Assembly of God. And yeah. what's interesting. Southern, yeah. Yeah. You said Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, among Baptists, there's various Baptists. Right. That's um, its own umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Among Methodists, right? There's yeah. uh, there's another list. Um, you know, that's another umbrella. And then Lutheran and Presbyterian. Is, and even Assemblies of God, that's an umbrella where some, I would believe in the Assemblies of God, that there are some that are outside of the evangelical nature and some on the inside. Yeah. And to be honest, like if you, I mean, if you would consider Westboro Baptist a Baptist church, they would be outside evangelical as well. Right. But I don't think they're not even a church. So I think putting a hard number on it is really hard. Yep. Really difficult. So um, let's just say like there's a lot, right? There's a a lot of different denominations. Um, Even if we were to narrow it down, if we were to look at every single one and judge the theology, right? And determine if they're within or outside the bounds of orthodoxy, there's still a lot of those. Mm -hmm. So is it um, bad or, or uh, a hindrance, right, to mm-hmm. to the universal church to have these different groups of Christians. Do you mean the Catholic church or the universal? What, what well, it depends you? on what you mean by Catholic, <laughs> Roman Catholic. Yeah. So Catholic means universal, essentially. Right. When we say universal church, or when the Apostles' Creed, I believe, uses the phrase Catholic Holy church. Holy Catholic church, yeah. Uh, we're not talking about Roman Catholic. Catholic means universal. That would be all the believers around the world yeah. um, would be the universal church. Yep. Okay, go, go on. So uh, I guess next it would be worth discussing, like, w- what are the benefits, the pros and cons yeah. to these denominations? So for myself, um, like, I I think, or I, I like the idea of being part of a greater network of like-minded churches. I think there's a lot of benefit there. I think there's um, a lot more that can be done, right, when you're working with a team of like-minded churches. Um, and I don't know it can be hard. So like in our area, there's not like, you know, a bunch of churches just like us right around us, right? They're farther away. Um, so even networking, I guess, with um, Christians within those bounds of orthodoxy that are near you, but maybe not within your denomination can be beneficial. Um, I think that we've seen great things pay off like the Southern Baptists and their mission board. I mean, they just, they're so powerful when it comes to missions, sending thousands of missionaries, right? Millions of dollars and, and tons of different people and countries and regions and tribes getting reached. And they're able to do that because they work together, right? As this one big thing, but also, um, with an institution like that, um, things can become really political and you can have the drawback of, um, churches like the local individual churches kind of losing their autonomy in some ways, um, being governed by, Um, Oh, so example for like with Presbyterianism, a lot of times you're governed by people who don't even go to your church. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't think that's biblical. Um, So there can be some drawbacks. There can be some benefits. Uh, What I found, I found this great article actually on nine marks. I don't know if you found it also, but. I don't, no, I, okay. I, I, I didn't do much research on this episode, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I found this great, really helpful article about this. And what did it look like um, for the early church? Did they have denominations? Mm-hmm. Did they have networks? What did that look like? So maybe what I'll do is I'll even share the article on our Facebook page if people want to read it. Yeah. Um, go to the Facebook page. Yeah, there you go. C28 podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to read uh, like a short paragraph from that article where he was giving an example of how the churches in the New Testament remained their autonomy, but yet were interdependent on each other. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think we're—I think that's where we kind of find the ideal um, model 
for if we want to say denominations or fellowships or networks or however you want to put it, right? So um, this is uh, Peter and John in Samaria. It says, in Acts 8, Peter and John traveled to Samaria. Philip the evangelist had been engaged in a great ministry there. When the apostles in Jerusalem hear of his work, they dispatch Peter and John to the city. This is Acts 8, 14. It says, we ought... We ought not to see this as presumptuous act on the part of the Jerusalem apostles, but rather as their glad participation in and assistance to the new Samaritan Christian experience. The new work was endorsed, received, and enthusiastically participated in by the whole church. A whole meaning like the universal Catholic idea, right? Um, Upon arriving, Peter and John pray for them and the Samaritans and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, 817. After the Spirit falls upon the Samaritans, Peter and John then return to Jerusalem after first preaching in other Samaritan villages. And even Philip is led by an angel to leave in order to witness to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Jerusalem church did not attempt to govern the Samaritans from afar, but rather joined in the work in this new location, not to supervise it, but only to share with it what it had to give. I just thought that that paragraph really Mm -hmm. captures like this ideal, right? That I think the majority of majority of us would probably say we're striving for is that uh, stronger, more established churches helping younger, less established churches get planted, have resources, good preachers. Right. And then as that need recedes, the influence is pulled back and then they're like a sister church instead of like a daughter church. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. So I completely agree with that. And I believe that is what happens within denominations. Uh, I'm not so sure necessarily those are different denom- we, that we would categorize them as different denominations, maybe just different churches. Oh, though. right, 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 right. So what I'm saying is I think that I, maybe I wasn't clear. I, I think the ideal isn't how we see denominations structured today in the majority of times. I think the ideal is what's being described here. Gotcha. Right, so so I, I think you and I would agree then. Okay. I think you and I would agree that ideally there would be no denominations. There would be Christian and not Christian. Right. Or, or even then, regional networks yeah. of like-minded churches. Yeah. And then and then um, within that category of Christian, we would be inter, inter, uh, we'd have inner workings with all the other churches as far as we can reasonably reach as far as support, not oversight necessarily. But part of the support, because we are Christian, would we would believe would also include some level of accountability still yeah. to them, yeah. like like responsibility to them to care for, which also and love them, which includes uh, a level of confrontation at times. And so I think that as we get down to like answering the questions, are they helpful? And we try to crack this nut. I think I would say that they are necessary, but not ideal. Yeah. That I I really would like to see no denominations. Uh, I would like to see that there is uh, no confusion, that the world sees one huge group um, of people not, because I think some people look at religion, uh, denominations and think different religions, and I, and, I, and I hate that. I'd like to see all of us who are Christian who will end up in heaven, like one group seen as one group that do have varying beliefs, and I think that there could be some good from somebody who's more Southern Baptist coming over to California and being an our Baptist church where they can press into some of their, their strengths and help us in our weaknesses and things like that. Although um, I believe as we started this podcast with the reality of our sinfulness, I do believe that, uh, that denominations are necessary. Yeah. Um, But I just think that it is just like a little bit it's where we can see a little bit of the result of the fall a little bit that we would need to separate over tertiary issues and uh, that, that literally don't divide us from Christ, but divide us from one another. We have to split over that. Yeah. That little equation blows my mind up every now and again. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my conclusion essentially of kind of where I'm at. Um, So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the, the Baptist confession of 1689 under the uh, chapter on the church, it, it talks about this. Um, in the first sentence in paragraph 14, it says, as each church and all the members of it are bound to pray continually for the good and prosperity of all the churches of Christ in all places and upon all occasions to further it, right? So it's our responsibility to pray for all the churches of Christ on all occasions um, so that the churches would be furthered, the kingdom would be going out. Mm -hmm. And I'll jump to the end. It talks about 
um, that we are to have communion amongst, or they are to have communion amongst themselves for their peace, increase of love, and mutual edification. Right? So the the idea that they kind of infused into this paragraph is that to not be praying for other churches, to not have communion with other churches, community and networking or however you want to put it, mm -hmm. um, is to deprive them and yourself from peace, increase of love and mutual edification. Yeah. Right. So there's this, there's a need there, um, for each other. I was actually just talking to, um, one, one of my professors last night and he was talking about, um, he sees over and over, he said, especially with younger men, um, that they are constantly trying to find, and this is coming from a Presbyterian school, right? They're constantly trying to find like um, the most reformed church that they can. And so then they find that church. Well, then they find one very small secondary issue that they believe isn't quite reformed enough. So then they uproot their family and they go find the, the next yeah. most reformed church that they can, right? And he said he's seen more than once that these men end up dragging their families into these, he called them like micro denominations, um, and he didn't say this part, but he described something that almost sounds cult-like, right? Because it's so exclusive <clears throat> and there's no room for, um, conscience. There's no room for disagreement among, amongst brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I don't think that's, I, I think, I think that's when we get into a pretty sinful place. Um, yeah. when it comes to denominations, well, I don't, the model we see in the new Testament is actually, um, essentially you find the church closest to you. That is a Bible believing church, right? And a Christian church, evangelical church, and you go to that church. And so, um, for listeners, if, if you're, if you have to drive an hour away to church and you've noticed over the course of time that that excludes you from the ministry of that church, you probably need to find a closer church now. Yeah. Now, somebody might be like, well, there are none that are closer. Like, well, that person is, that's going to be very rare. Right. And so if somebody asks, well, if there literally are no Bible believing churches closer than that, what should I do? Well, then you should go to that church. But realistically, you're not that person, right? The, yeah. the average listener isn't that person. Find the closest church to you that is a Bible believing church and go to that church. And don't be looking for a perfect church, right? Yeah. Look for an evangelical Christian church to go to that teaches the Bible and then plant yourself there. And when you see weaknesses, try to bolster those areas of weaknesses and then serve and be engaged in and plugged into that church. And I think that that's what we see in the early church. These churches rising up in these cities and they, they're they not going three cities over to go to some other church because they like the music there. Right. And so yeah. I think that sometimes, you know, you might, the one of the closer, so say you're driving an hour away to some, you know, um, really hip church and you got a really good smaller church right next door to you. Yeah. I think you should sacrifice your preference and quality of music and the sound system and the funny stories from your, uh, big church pastor and go to that small church and serve there and glorify God there. Yeah, that's good. Um, last week at youth group, we, we went through John chapter 17 um, and in that chapter, there's, there's three main things that Jesus prays for. He prays for himself and his glorification before the father. Um, he prays for his disciples and then he prays, um, for the future Christians, right. That would come. And he says this starting in verse 20 he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you father are in yeah. me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even as you love me. Those right? two so that's are pretty important. Those are really important, yeah. Um, and I think what happens is the, the secular world looks in and sees all these denominations and they're like, oh, look at all that division, right? Oh, they're just, they, all they do is argue amongst themselves. And there, there are times where I think that's fair and there's times where I think that's not fair. Mm -hmm. um, the not fair is that uh, just because we have separate denominations doesn't mean that we hate each other, right? It, it doesn't mean that we're even not friends. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends that are not Baptists, right? And they're really good friends, brothers in Christ. And I think that we see um, 
unity amongst the, the diversity of Christian denominations when it comes to um, the, the gospel issues, right? The core tenets, the, the main theology, the Apostles' Creed. We see unity amongst the diversity of the secondary issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that unity and diversity is something our world talks a lot about, but I don't think it understands. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I don't think it actually has any idea what unity amongst diversity looks like. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that we actually see the example of the, the best example of that given in John 17, because we see, um, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, unity and diversity, right? There are three persons in one. Um, not that denominations like we've talked about are an ideal, but that, um, there can be unity in that mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So summarizing our question, all right, so the question is, denominations, essentially, are they helpful or a hindrance? Where, where do we land on this? So I'm going to say that denominations um, that model what we see in Acts chapter 8, that use that model and then call themselves a denomination, are helpful. Um, I think, or I think they're the ideal. I think other models can be helpful, I don't think they are the ideal. Gotcha. Is that like, yeah. So I, I think that churches don't need to be islands unto themselves, right? They need to be in close relationship, yeah. networking yeah. with other churches. Um, and if that turns into, you know, an official fellowship or denomination or institution, then fine. Um, but we, I, I don't think we need the centralized power like the Roman Catholic church. Absolutely. So as, as we spent the last 51 minutes, uh, talking about what denominations are, how they kind of started all the way back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 um, f- forward. Uh, we see how the church is kind of created and then there are uh, divisions between what is Christian, what is not, that those are helpful. And then we get into um, among the umbrella of evangelical Christian that there are different denominations. And those, I believe, um, in the end um, are not ideal in the idealistic sense, um, but because um, the reality of us being uh, sinful humans that we have to divide over our own reasons when Jesus calls us together, yeah, I I do see that there are benefits to denominations with under the umbrella of uh, evangelical Christian, and although I still would prefer there to be none, I do see that they're necessary. So that's where I land on it. I think that we can all agree that uh, that we that there are that there are denominations. What denominations are? How they got there? And we can see that there's some benefits to that. And in a perfect world where we're not fallen, no, there's probably not denominations, but we're not living there yet. Am right. I right? That's right. Right. So, and when we are, they'll all be Baptists. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, with that, we hope this was helpful. We know that there's a lot of people with the same question about denominations, and uh, we just hope that this uh, clarified some things for everybody, and uh, uh, that maybe there can be less contention around the subject of denominations. I think that's kind of our hope. And, um, so, anyways, thank you for all of your requests as far as uh, different podcast you'd like keep listening this is pastor cj and pastor brian and we'll see you again in another week all right we'll talk to you later